Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. J.B., I can, and you sound marvelous. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. Hurricane Dorian strengthening, but there is good news for Puerto Rico tonight. The worst appears to be over for our neighbors on that island. Still beaten down, of course, from Hurricane Maria. Now, the bad news is there is loads of danger for our mainland, the Florida coast, a little bit farther north. Dorian is spiraling. We know how it works at this point. We have to see how it strengthens in the water. We have to look at the tracks, and we have all that information for you, what to expect, where, and when. And the president said some things that were outrageous today. That's not unusual. It is what he did and promised to do that he must justify to you, especially with an election coming. And we have a representative from his campaign tonight to do just that. Also, we're going to take a look at the lens of Puerto Rico, what this president has said, what he's done, what it means. The residents there feel betrayed and forgotten. Former Congressman Luis Gutierrez is there. He is angry. He is righteous, and he will let you know why. And you hear that the president is upset that Fox isn't working for him anymore. They must love him basically acknowledging that he sees them as state TV. He says he's looking for a new 24-7 MAGA megaphone. What does that mean? Let's get after it. Look, the good news is that Puerto Rico seems to have dodged a big bullet, but it does not take much, okay? The land there is easily saturated. The power grid is weak. And the situation of infrastructure there in so many of the houses is still all beaten up from Maria. So right now you're looking at some picture at the Virgin Islands. We're going to be following Dorian. Again, it doesn't have to be a major category, something to hit you, to hurt you. So we're going to look at all the places. You saw what happened in Martinique that was just flooding from those outer bands. Uh, What we know right now is that Dorian could possibly become a category three late Sunday into Monday. As you see the map there, that's when we expect on the most common track for it to hit the mainland Uh, on that eastern Florida coast. Florida's governor already declared a state of emergency, as we all know now, that just frees up resources, asks the federal government uh, to do the same. Georgia could also be at risk. But let's start here on Puerto Rico tonight. Uh, Of course, they have to be feeling grateful. The last thing they need is another direct hit from a hurricane. But they did take a direct hit from our president once again. All right. And not only is he exaggerating the money that's been given to them, not only has he slow walked having that place rebuilt. But now we know that one hundred and fifty five million dollars in FEMA disaster relief that goes to places like Puerto Rico and the islands around it is being shifted. And where it's being shifted is what the true insult is. The money is being shifted to help fund efforts to return migrants. Let's bring in former Democratic Congressman Luis Gutierrez. He's in Puerto Rico right now. He lives there. He's been active with recovery efforts since Maria. Uh, It is always good to see you, Congressman. Thank God uh, I don't have you with swirling winds all over you right now. Thank God it won't be the worst case scenario. But just to remind people, 
Uh, what is the state of reality for many of the places, not in and around just San Juan, but just outside of there, up into the hills? How vulnerable is it still? What are your concerns, even with these types of storm effect? Look, um, tens of thousands of people lost uh, their electricity today in the metropolitan area. And Dorian really didn't hit uh, the island of Puerto Rico with any uh, forcefulness. Um, Let's remember, Chris, 30,000 people still go to bed every... No, not 30,000 people. Let me correct myself. There are 30,000 homes in Puerto Rico where people go to bed every night and they have a blue carp over there as a roof. Can you imagine? It would have been a Category 5 if 70-mile-an-hour winds had hit the island for those 30,000. This is two years after Maria. The... The electrical system here is still very weak and vulnerable. So I've been here living for five, for five months. Let me see, four times the electricity has gone out at my residence. Um, the water also stops flowing because you need electricity for the, for the, well pump. For the, um, for the water to flow to right. your house, for the generation, the generators. So look. It's very fragile. There are still schools that are closed. There are still people that are unemployed. And there are still hundreds of thousands of people who wish to return to the island. It's a very fragile situation. But we're resilient. We're working towards a better future. Mm. And it would be good to hear that the most powerful, the richest nation in the world, would want to help in that recovery. This well, president especially said, when oh, you're part I've spent of that $92 billion. Dollars. He no, says, I gave you $90 billion, you and he says... Maybe a tenth of that money has reached the island of Puerto Rico. Right. It's time. And I do want to take one parenthesis. Thank you, American people, for your generosity. There are so many generators uh, that people have turned on, uh, so many new schools, so many beautiful places right. that have been rebuilt because of your generosity. But there should be. Thank you. you to you're the part of the country. Of the United States of America. You know, everybody treats Puerto Rico like it's its own country. I mean, you know, you guys are part of the country. We should help. Americans should help whenever they can. Um, but you especially should help your own. And that's what's happening here. But the president says, now, here's the problem. Uh, Luis, the problem is you guys, you have a corrupt local government down there and he's been better to you sure. than anybody. Uh, and you guys aren't back on your feet uh, because the local authorities there are corrupt. They're the worst and they're taking the money. And that's why he's slowing any kind of relief, because there's a bunch of crooks down there. Yeah, well, I guess we gave a lesson in what it is you do in a very democratic, nonviolent fashion here on the island of Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. when we had a governor that the people felt had betrayed them, that was leading a corrupt administration, what did we say? You're fired. Not 10,000, not 50,000, not 100,000, by the hundreds of thousands. And we did, though, we did so in a, in a very consistent way, right? Until the governor understood that he had to resign. You don't see that. So we know how to take care of corruption here on the island of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And guess what? This is the president of the United States that has a failing golf course, Chris, a failing golf course, which is is it's losing what? 70 percent of its revenue from two years ago. And what does he say? Oh, we should have the G7 there. And even if he doesn't have the G7, how many people did he advertise it to when he said that? 
That's corruption, Chris. You know what corruption is? That when the legislative branch of government says, no, you can't have the money for more beds and detention and separating families, and then he takes emergency relief money, and let's hope Florida doesn't need it. Let's hope no one needs it. But $155 million in federal relief money, and you put it and send it to the border without any congressional? And lastly, let's be clear. This is the president of the United States that the Washington Post today reported is telling government officials and those under him, go ahead and build that wall, violate the law if you have to, and I will pardon you. That's corruption at the highest level. Right. The people of Puerto Rico are good, decent, hardworking people. We're resilient, and I want to say we're going to lead. Well, I hope uh, that the situation down there is not uh, made that much worse uh, by the storms that you're dealing with now and the impact afterwards on what is certainly uh, the truth, that it is a vulnerable infrastructure to begin with. And thank you for your perspective, as yeah. always. Be safe down there. The best of the family. Thank you, Chris. All right. Another 2020 uh, Democratic dropout. And there are still several other Dems now dealing with the fact that they're not going to make the cut for the next debate. You don't get out there. You don't get to make the pitch to you. You don't get the donors. You don't get the relevance. You don't get the headlines. Cycle continues, and it's a negative one. So what does it mean that Senator Gillibrand from New York is out? Who's next? What is the state of play in that race? There are new polls, and you know what that means? The Wizard of Odds with the inside scoop and whatever that is. Next. And then... There were 20. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand withdraws from the presidential race and is expected to endorse some other candidate. We don't know when. Uh, could it be the former VP who is leading? There's another new poll. Now, Quinnipiac is out, right? Monmouth was respected. Quinnipiac is respected. Look at the new numbers. Now, these are much closer to what we saw in the CNN poll. They seem more reflective of the state of play. All polls are just snapshots. But when you do see one that sticks out like that, the way Monmouth does, it does make you a little curious. And it is interesting that this next poll seems to be more consistent. You see the numbers there. It's basically what it has been. Uh, Biden is there. Warren's making moves. She's now actually up a skosh on Sanders uh, beyond the uh, MOE air there, the margin of error. You see Harris with the big slip, Buttigieg holding where he's ever been. And Yang, impressive. Uh, given that he's such an outsider uh, on this race and not getting the attention of the others. But he's at three. Let's bring in the Wizard of Odds. How big a deal, Harry, is it uh, that Gillibrand is out? I, look, I think it gives you a pretty good understanding of sort of the state of play. And these are the 10 candidates who qualified for our September debate on ABC. Tonight was the deadline, so there will be no more. There will, unless there's some poll that drops, some mysterious poll that drops in the next two and a half hours, right. there will be no more. We're not expecting a poll. These are the 10. And of course, you notice Gillibrand is not on the list. And there are a bunch of other candidates who are not on the list as well. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't another candidate that drops out over the next few weeks before that ABC News debate, because the fact of the matter is debates are lifeline to a campaign. You get out there, you're able to fundraise, and without money, you can't run a presidential campaign. Mm. Uh, and in terms of, you know, let, let's unpack it a little bit now. Yeah. If she's out, now there's not a domino effect of others have to get out, but right. it says something about what, what is working and what isn't, especially in the context of this new poll from Quinnipiac. What do you see? Well, I, I, the one thing I should just point out, you know, just so you know, we put everything, as you mentioned, the Quinnipiac University poll kind of looks a lot like the other one. So I took an average of the four live interview probability samples, Biden up by double digits at 28 percent. Warren, as you mentioned, 18 percent. Sanders, 
15 percent. All right. So if you measure the last four polls, this is like a poll of polls. This is a poll of polls. It's an average of polls. This is what you do. Sometimes you catch outliers like that. And I should point out, it's good that we have outliers. It shows that, in fact, the pollster is doing a legitimate job because 19 out of 20 times you'll be within the margin of error. But one out of 20 times you won't be. Mm. And what is most impressive to you about Quinnipiac? You do see Warren on top of Sanders. Monmouth had Sanders on top of Warren. Uh, Interesting. You know, Senator Sanders always likes to say, you people in the polls, don't bother me with polls. He has one poll come out that has him on top of Warren and Biden. He splashed it all over his social media account. But what do you mean, uh, think of Quinnipiac with her moving up a little bit on Sanders? Just uh, could it be another relative assessment basically within uh, the plus minus of five? Well, I think if you take a look at the average, you see that she's leading. And I think that this is an important thing, Chris. And this is basically the Quinnipiac University poll based upon how much attention you're paying to the campaign. If you're paying a lot of attention to the campaign, among those voters, we see Warren very close to Biden, 32 to 25. Wow. Sanders all the way back there. And that's, I think, a sign of the momentum. Those paying attention really like Warren. I don't understand two things. One, yes. I don't understand how if you're doing it a lot, you like him less than if you're not paying attention that much. And how his numbers are the same Biden's all the way across. You know, part of this is an age issue going on, right? He does better among older voters. They tend to be the ones who are paying the most attention. But Elizabeth Warren also does well among college degree voters. And they tend to be the ones who are paying a lot of attention as well. Sanders voters are those tend to be those without a college degree as well as younger voters. So it's not so surprising here that he does best in the sum or little and none category. What's your other big point for people? I, I think the other big point here is just take a look at this. This is the, you know, this is the same story that we've had this entire campaign, right? Mm. Joe Biden trailing in that very liberal lane by a lot to Elizabeth Warren, down by 19 points. But look at this, this moderate to conservative lane, which makes it 50% of the party. This is the big chunk. Look at this. Biden well out ahead, 41%. Warren all the way back at 13. As long as he has that type of lead mm. in the center of the Democratic Party, he's going to be the Democrat. The Wiz always hits me with this every time I get excited about something on Twitter. He always is like, Twitter is not the Democratic Party. It's an amplification of the fringe voices on the outer left of it. I'm like, please. And then when that Harvard study came out that said that 80-something percent of Democrats say they are center-left, not very liberal, that was the end this of that this argument. Poll. That was the end. Now, one other interesting thing as, yeah. as, as we get out of this segment. It is interesting that while he, while he has this big lead over these two, all of them beat this president kind of the same way. Well, take a look at this. This Quinnipiac asked this as well. And look right, at this. I mean, you know. Here's the key, Chris, though. Look at this. Consistency in the Trump number, 38 to 40 percent. And that's generally where his approval rating has been. He can't seem to get above that number. Right. And that's big trouble He wants for to him. make jokes about Gillibrand and people as they drop out saying, oh, she's the one I was afraid of. He needs to be afraid of this. This Don- is what he has to be. Donald Trump of. is the one who has an electability problem at this point. 100 percent. Wiz, thank you very much. Shalom, Appreciate brother. it. Shalom. So. Who's next to go? Will there be a next? Is Harry right or no? If you're not on that debate stage, can you kiss your dreams goodbye? We'll use it as a starting point in the great debate. We have two Democrats. Which way will that party go? They know. New York junior Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is out, but there are still 20 Democratic candidates in the race. How much longer will it be that way? If they're not getting on the debate stage and not raising money, they're not going to be able to compete with the front runners. But the bigger question is, Gillibrand dropping out means what about what is going to dominate, dominate the choice of that party? That's the start of tonight's great debate. Bakari Sellers, Paul Begala. Good to see you both, gentlemen. Significance for you, Brother Begala, of Gillibrand dropping out. Well, I, I certainly didn't see it coming. I thought she'd be a really uh, first-tier, uh, credible candidate. She's a good fundraiser. She's a good campaigner. Uh, but the campaign was going nowhere. As a general matter, I respect anybody's decision to get in or out. And I try not to. I, I do this. I, I never tell people 
to run for office or to get married because I don't have to wake up with the consequences. Okay, so I respect her decision. Not sure that I share it because I don't like I'm different. I don't like the field being winnowed this early. 158 days before the first citizen gets to vote. 158 days. To put that into perspective, 31 days before the Iowa caucuses in 2004, John Kerry was a weak fifth place in the polls. He was behind Al Sharpton. And 31 days later, he gained 33 points in the polls and won Iowa solidly and went on to be the nominee. This stuff's going to break late. I think these candidates who are driven out of the race uh, uh, too early are, are, I think it's a shame. I think it's not good for the party. Mm. Well, you know, Bakari, Gillibrand, I would argue, uh, this is somewhat subjective, but she is the first candidate who was seen uh, as one of the strong, Mm -hmm. progressive, farther left players uh, with name recognition. And Paul's right. She wasn't doing great in the polls. She didn't qualify for this, this next set of debates uh, to drop out. And it's interesting because if you conflate that with what we see in Quinnipiac and the CNN poll before that, Monmouth is an outlier. Uh, those from the center and the left are putting most of their chips on Biden. Do you see her dropping out as a trend that the party is going to start moving back towards the center candidates? Well, I disagree with the sentiment that somehow Kirsten Gillibrand is this far left uh, candidate. In fact, I believe Kirsten Gillibrand, when she was in the United States House, was considered to be a blue dog Democrat. She is very, very, very progressive now. Let's not confuse that or conflate that. But she's nowhere near uh, in line with the ideology of Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. But I will say this. Elizabeth Warren is one of the candidates who, when they filed to run for president of the United States, you looked on paper and said, hmm, she has a legitimate chance to actually win the nomination. Now, her odds may have been, been pretty, pretty long. However, on paper, she had a legitimate chance to be president of the United States or at least win the nomination. And she is the first person who's running for president who had a legitimate chance to win the nomination to get out of the race. I, I disagree with Paul Begala. I'm ready for us to get down and start really cooking in the kitchen here. I, I think that we need to get down to about uh, 8 to 10, uh, those 8 to 10 that are on stage. Uh, it we haven't even done the grocery shopping let, yet, Bakari. Why you want to be in the kitchen cooking? We man, haven't listen, even grown the listen, crops, let, much let, less man, gone to the store to buy them. <laughs> listen, what we what we need to do is go online on Harris Teeter, order them up, and pick them up on the way. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can do this. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to get down to the bare knuckle talent we have because the problem is it's very hard to see the true talent we have in our party with some people who, all in all, will never win the nomination. All right, let's let the meal metaphor die, Bagala. Look, I think this is what you guys are dealing with, and whether it's 150. Eight days or 15.8 days out is that the reason Biden does so well in so many polls is because the party's composition is largely center left. And when you look at your party through that lens, he gets the support of people. The farther towards the center you go, the more support he gets. He actually even gets some Republican support. Now, I don't know if that's real. I don't know if they'd actually pull a lever for him, but they're saying uh, that they would. However, the amplification by the media And social media and what we see in the debates and how they're covered is about the farther left you are, the more attention you get. How do you guys reconcile? I think it's a great point. At the beginning of the year, Gallup did a survey of both parties and 54 percent of Democrats, solid majority, said they want their party to be more moderate. By the way, solid majority Republicans want their party to be even more conservative. I I don't I maybe bring back the feudal system or something. I don't know what's going on in their side of the fence. Mm. On my side of the fence, it's a very moderate party. But you're right. I think one of the hidden causes of this, and it's an unintended consequence, is this emphasis on small donors. We all want small donors. We don't like big money taking over politics. That's right. But when the party set that as a metric for getting into the debate, 
it it actually empowered some of the most progressive and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and committed folks in our party, and it drew to raise money online, to raise money through emails. Uh, you have to really be on, I think, more on the progressive side of things. You don't raise a lot of money online with a moderate centrist message, and I think that was an unintended. I don't think the party was trying to put the fix in or anything, but I'd rather, and I, they could still change. I'd rather add one more metric: register voters. Because that's not left, right, or center. That's just good for America, good for the Democratic Party, good for all of us. Well, so you, I'd rather make that a metric rather than polling, which is ephemeral and evanescent, or fundraising uh, right. online, which I think tends to skew more left. So you've got somewhat of a, a population of center mindset and within your party, just in terms of what the metrics are. Um, but that's not the narrative right now, Bakari, because people want a warrior. I keep hearing it on my show. The younger the lefty is on my show, the more he or she wants a warrior. Uh, I had Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks the other night say, you know, they have a huge following online, say, I don't want uh, Biden to be working with the right. I want them to bend to our will. And it's interesting because I think the candidate that you support, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, represented that for people. She was a fighter. She went out there and the favorite Joe Biden got rocked on his heels by her in the first debate. But then she tanked. And I don't understand why. What's your read on that? Well, it's early. I mean, that's why. I mean, she's going to have some of the most elasticity of any candidate that we see. But at the end of the day, I mean, I I hear all of these... I mean, we, we, I mean, it's already been proven. She started out uh, when she announced her campaign very high. She came back down and settled to eight or nine. After the first debate, she went high. She came back down to eight or nine. And that's where she rests now in fourth place. That's not a bad place to be right now uh, going into the Labor Day weekend. So I, I don't think that there's any panic whatsoever. But she's even in a better position because I will tell you this. While we're having these debates and they sound extremely illuminating and brilliant about left, right, center, otherwise... The people who will choose the Democratic nominee are African-American voters, particularly African-American female voters, Mm. period. I mean, we can talk about left, right, moderate, center, warrior, not warrior, whatever we want to talk about. But African-American voters, particularly African-American female voters, will choose the nominee. I will remind people of this. In October, there was a CNN headline, uh, October of 2007, that said that black voters helped Hillary Clinton extend the lead. She was up by 25 plus vote percent. Uh, with total voters, uh, total black voters over Barack Obama, over 40 percent with black women. And she did not win that nomination because things right. could change, especially after Iowa. So that's 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 where we are. Mm. Yeah, that's the heart of the party. Bakari is so right. The heart of the Republican Party, as I appreciate it, is white Christian evangelicals. They're not the majority, but they're the heart. The heart of our party are the, those people of color that Bakari's talking about, especially women. The first strategy session we had, Bill Clinton, before Sellers was even born, Carvel and I sat down with him and we said, the path to the Democratic nomination runs through African Americans, especially in the South. Mm. That is still true today. And I'm glad we start in Iowa. I love Iowa. I love New Hampshire. Once we get to Sellers' home state of South Carolina, that's where we're going to be picking our nominee. Mm. It's very interesting because uh, it's an inter- it's almost a paradox for you guys. You need African-American women mm-hmm. to be for you to win in that party. Yet we have seen them be with people and it hasn't been the dispositive factor. But more often than not, it's going to weigh in, especially in a big and split field. I still think you guys have to decide this idea of we're going to go with really progressive ideas or we're going to go with somebody who can get us back to a return of normal and does not shake up people, does not introduce risk. You're going to have to figure that out. Bakari, Bagala, thank you very much as always. Thanks. All right. The president spent this morning taunting Americans who were prepping for disaster. And I'm talking about Puerto Rico. Then he claimed that he's the best thing that ever happened to them. Look. 
I don't spend a lot of time on this show going after what the president says. I don't think it's helpful. I think if I have to tell you why what he says is often obnoxious, you're never going to believe that anyway. But what he does as an echo of those things must be sold to you as the American voter. And his campaign's national press secretary is here to do just that. Next. You could argue that the president has staked his reelection on two things, the economy, where some signs are strong and there are some warning signs as well, and the wall. I don't even say immigration. I really say the wall, because what real meaningful change in our policies can he point to except a tone of harshness and that wall? Now, there is a matter of dispute about how much new fencing he has built. Uh, If you look at it, all the fencing being built was planned to be built before he went into wall mode. So why is he saying, look how much wall I'm building, look how it's going? Does that matter to you? Does any of this matter to you? Let's get with the campaign. Kaylee McEnany, the national uh, press, the campaign press secretary, is here with us to make the argument. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Um, So let's just tick through some of these things. I didn't understand the Puerto Rico play. I know he gets hit, he hits back. You know I don't accept that rationale, not from a president of the United States. But why, when they have a hurricane coming down on them, start going after them for being corrupt and how he's the best thing that ever happened to them? Why do that then? Because he's fighting for the people of Puerto Rico by calling out the corrupt politicians. I think it speaks for itself when there are 375 public corruption convictions over a 10-year period. We have a a hurricane coming. There were misused funds last time around. We don't want to see that happen this time around. And this president delivered the largest FEMA response effort ever in the history of FEMA to Puerto Rico. So these corrupt politicians must use these resources on the people, bottom line. All right. Look, uh, nobody's going to argue with that. However, what they will argue with are the facts, which is, uh, one, uh, he didn't pass it. Congress did. He was against it. He fought it. He tried to slow walk it. And now he lies about the number, Kaylee. He keeps coming up with this 90 plus number. You know, it's nowhere near that. Why? Why not just tell the truth? He has signed into law tens of billions of dollars of funding, and the $91 billion number comes from estimated projections of what will be provided to Puerto Rico. But it's a over based time. on an unknown of whether you need it over like the next decade plus. It you, makes no sense to use that number. You're, you're entirely missing the point, though, that this was the largest FEMA operation in the history of this country, the longest air mission in the history of this country, the biggest disaster distribution uh, operation in the history of this country to Puerto but Rico. But aren't you missing the point that allocated. it is well known that he fought people wanting to do more for them and that they are not even near to back on their feet and they're a part of this country and it's on his watch? There has been uh, enough done for James Lee Witt, the FEMA director of Bill Clinton, saying that this president gets an A-plus on his FEMA response effort. And that's straight from Bill Clinton's FEMA director. The and, uh, facts who, don't who lie. Who cares? you got to work for Bill Clinton and be dead wrong. There are 30,000 homes that have blue tarps on them. They had people losing power today for no good reason. Thank God Dorian wasn't anything meaningful to them. Not yet, anyway. We'll see what happens on the back end of the storm. Um... But I just don't get it. Why does he talk about a place that's part of this country that way? Why would he talk about swapping it for Greenland? Why? Because there are corrupt politicians there. That's who he's targeting. Notice in his tweet, he doesn't talk about the people. Since of Puerto when is Rico. corruption something that he goes after hard and heavy? 
Oh, he always goes after corruption. And when really? we give money to Puerto Rico, tens of billions of dollars in federal officials find stockpiles he goes of after unused materials. Hard and heavy? They- he of just pledged he to hold the G7 at his own golf course. He's got of an administration that's littered corruption. with perfidy and people who don't know how to keep their hands out of their own pockets. But and I, he's I about love, corruption. I am. I'm happy to go into corruption because we got a heck of a lot to talk about. Really? With Obama, you, you mean in terms of things that are suspect groups, corruption uh, from spying on U.S. citizens within the Trump campaign? These are things you that we use never whatever get to talk words about you on want. here. You just Chris. don't have the facts to back it up. Yeah, this I is do a president who won't even up. show his taxes, this, Kaylee. This are you is kidding? A, This is a president that constantly has things made up about him, as happened last night on MSNBC. He doesn't want things made up. Hey, you see the letters on the bottom of the screen? They say CNN. If I didn't say it, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't report that story. It was out there. We go with the facts. I don't need anything else. If he had nothing to hide about his money story, why doesn't he release his taxes? Why doesn't he just release proof that he's under audit? He's not going. He's under audit. He's not going to play into your hand and give you his taxes. Play into my hands. But literally, if we want to talk about what just happened on CNN, literally the last hour, you took words from the press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, Mm -hmm. from an entirely different interview, talking about how the president often talks in jest and then played it juxtaposed against a story about uh, the president suggesting people should break the law and acted as if that quote pertained to that story, which it didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Well, it happened last hour. Take a look at it. This is what the media does. MSNBC. See the name of the show? Cuomo Primetime. You want to talk about your friend, Ms. Grisham. I want to know why she says he couldn't make it to the climate meeting because he was having meetings with Germany and India when they were at the meeting. I want to know why they say they hang their case against Brian Karam on an interview, a statement they said they had from a Secret Service agent that they, they then said she said didn't exist. So if you want to talk about her, I'm fine. She I'm should be here defending herself. Her. And, and when you, she wants to take be, the invitation, the she way, can have it. You should be thanking Stephanie Grisham, who literally fought with reporters in North Korea, with North Korea security guards to get reporters access, who literally fought to get more reporters access than any other nation at the G7. After they that pulled Brian Karam's press this, pass because they didn't like him having an argument press, with one of their friends? Yes, yeah, because the president had left and he started bullying someone on those grounds. Bullying? By did you the see way, the video? By, yes, I did. And he Please. was bullying that he was confronting a guest of the White House. The guy the got up and was, pulled. listen, that is not even close to a fair that representation. And here's the proof of it. Here's the proof. You want to talk about bullying? How about this? Kaylee McEnany, I can't have you on the show anymore. You know why? You're clearly not working for me anymore. You're not working for me anymore. I thought you worked for me. I thought you used to take care of me. When people used to ask you about me, you'd say good things. Now you're being fair. Now you're pushing back. That's what he said about Fox News. You talk about bullying. The president's not bullying anyone. The president is lied about constantly. On Fox News? Literally time and time again. He's frustrated with media coverage. On Fox News? He's frustrated with media coverage. He's fighting for the people in his movement. He didn't say Fox News should work for him. That's, again, not what the tweet said. He said they're not working. Put the tweet back up. No, he said... He said they're not working for us. The network as <laughs> yeah. a whole is not working for his movement, meaning they can't watch Fox because Fox isn't because working they feel for us anymore. You are again. They were Here never we supposed again. to be working for him. You didn't more, think they were working for you, this did This is they? more fake news. Literally in the last 24 hours, the you took right Stephanie Grisham out of context. You take the president I'm out of context. I'm not taking anybody MSNBC out of context. MSNBC lies about the president and our campaign manager. This is why Harvard, by the way, says 90% of the news coverage of the president is negative. Not no, my no, no, words. No. Harvard's words. No, that's words. not what Harvard said. Harvard said 90% of the coverage is negative. They didn't say why. The why is his mouth. 
and his actions. If he didn't lie, if he didn't take things out of context, lie. if he didn't demonize people for being different, if he didn't make it okay to be bigoted, then he, he would lie. not get the same kind of criticism. He doesn't lie. Look at the this. press you lies. You don't look at Fox News and call it state TV, and people aren't going to call you out for being unfair to a he media organization. He doesn't lie. Guess who lies? The press lies. And you don't, don't take think it this me. president has take ever it. lied? Take it from Jim Comey, who literally called out in New York. You don't think this president has lied to the American people? No, I don't think the president has lied. He has never lied to the American people. No, I don't Kayleigh think Mack the president has lied. Kayleigh McEnany, your credibility will be shot with my CNN audience if you don't back off that statement. I think CNN has lied to the American people. I think MSNBC has lied to the American people. I think the fake news has lied to the American people. Has the president lied to the American people? Chris, Chris, let me respond. Jim Comey literally testified before Congress under oath that a New York Times story about Russian connections was false and in the main not true. Mm -hmm. And the Russia reporting was false. And for two years, you've mm -hmm. talked about Russia. And now you've moved on to Did recession. Did Russia interfere in the election? All lies about this Did Russia president. interfere in the election? There was no collusion. Was there Did collusion, Did Russia interfere Chris? in the election? It's a was yes, no collusion? question. You're very smart. You can answer. Was there collusion? Did they interfere? Well, answer my question first. Yes. Was there collusion? The answer is yes. And here's False. why. Collusion is a behavior, Mueller. not a crime. You learned that in law school. And here's what they did. This president went out there stoking their efforts. His son took a meeting he should have never taken. It was beyond the line of stupid. And he went conspiracy to that meeting with two people here. who knew better. Lies no conspiracy the theory. They went to the meeting. It's collusive behavior. Was it a crime? No. And there I never no said collusion. it was. And I said it was, was good no news that it wasn't. But they interfered and you can't even mention it. You he talks about Vladimir Putin as a guy who should be in the years. G7, and he fights with our allies about it. He stands next to him on the national, actually the world stage, and says he takes his word for it against his own intel agencies. Chris, you continue to play up the Russia collusion conspiracy theory. You guys lied about I, the president. I never mentioned any kind of collusion conspiracy. He won on November conspiracy. 8th, 2016, and he's going to I win again. I never said that he shouldn't he's going have won. To win again. I never said that his, his election was not what it was. He won the election. I Russia say it all the recession, time. But I'm going to ask never... you this one more time. Kayleigh McEnany, do you believe this president has ever lied to the American no, people? No, I don't believe the president <laughs> wow. has lied. I believe the fake news media. Do you, you believe the fake news IFB media right has out of lied? My head. Do you believe the fake news media has Interview's lied? Interview's over, Kayleigh. Please, the if you can't admit that this president has lied president. to the American people, you will not the have credibility with the audience. You've got a long way to go, Kayleigh. Look. Listen, when a president is telling the American people every day not to believe in a free press, that they're the enemy of the state, he and he lies about the allies at G7 saying any, what we really want to know is history. why your media hates the country, he is he, to blame for sowing the seeds of division. He just did a 40-minute press avail and he lies in 90-degree weather. That, so what? The president gives access, and you lie about everything he says and take him out of context, I have and the never people are frustrated. lied about this president people are in frustrated. my life. You may not like what I say. That doesn't make it a lie. He lies all the time, and you know it. Go and watch if you your don't last it, hour, they taking listen Stephanie to you Grisham as well. out of context and putting one story with another you show to me try what to I make lied about, it Kaylee. seem as if the president you lied you, and Stephanie you lied and it was not true. show me lying about this president, and I'll give you a prize. You admit the truth about him, I'll give you two prizes. But you're still welcome on the show. I don't need you any have, prizes you may from the fake me. news media. You may have hurt me tonight in inviting you back, because if you can't admit that he lied... These people are never going to believe you about I think you anything. should take a look in the mirror, All right? I do. And I don't like these lines, but I do like that I don't lie to my audience every damn chance I get. Thank you for coming on the show. I disagree, Thanks, but with decency. All right. We're going to climb into the time machine. But listen, hold on. You can't say that this president doesn't lie to you guys. All right. You can argue why he lies. You can argue how you feel about his lies. But if you can't even admit that, 
the conversation is dead. I'm sorry, but it is. Now, let's go back into the time machine. The days before everybody lied every two seconds. Remember what used to piss people off about a president? Let me give you a hint. It was about what he wore. That was our big kerfluffle five years ago. Oh, how things have changed. Can you imagine a conversation like that five years ago? Next. 56 years ago, Dr. King gave his I Have a Dream speech during the Freedom March in Washington, and it endures to this day, maybe now just as valuable as ever, if not more. Different context for how far we've come or not come. Five years ago, the president of the United States shocked the world. The fashionistas on Fox, not quite state TV back then, they were all over it. Here's some of what Now This found. One of the ugliest suits in the history of America. Whoever talked to me into going into a tan suit, they're so desperate because of these low poll numbers, they're willing to do anything. The other thing is, is they say it didn't fit. <laughs> D. Lemon. You remember that? I mean, obviously, oh, other presidents that. other presidents had worn uh, tan suits, by the way. My uh, buddy, Reagan, uh, my, Reagan one of my did. producers here, Ethan, uh, Reagan, uh, uh, Clinton, Eisenhower. I mean, look, it's not a very common thing. I get it. Men tend to wear the gray or the blue because we're very limited in our understanding suit. of what power can be conveyed as. Uh, but he wasn't the first. But boy, what a difference five years makes. Now we're in these existential battles about truth and falsity and people refusing to admit thousands and thousands of lies. And then I, it was I, a suit. And this is just in the last, I just did this while you were doing it. The last six days, right? The last six days, he made 48 false claims in the last six days. And just think about it. I can't believe I don't even bother anymore with that because you'll never get a, you'll never get a real direct answer from someone like that. She said no. I no, can't get more direct than that. She has no credibility, Chris. <laughs> that hurts I mean, your credibility. She's a nice woman. We, she used to be on this show as well as other CNN shows all the time. But someone like that has no credibility in the audience. Look, put whoever you want on your show. I'm not, this isn't chastising you. But the audience gets nothing from her because she does not tell the truth. Well, Think here's about the thing. It. They Barack know, Obama, but sometimes you know. Tower. Right. Hang on, hang on. But you have he to know lie. what they're going to be bringing Obama, your way. Why you have to tap Trump Tower? That is not true. What did he just said? In the, oh, uh, he, uh, what he talked about Puerto Rico and all the aid that he gave to Puerto Rico. He said that they built. This is just in the last couple of days. He said that they built new wall. No right. new wall has been. But what built. you just heard he out of Kelly McEnany is the campaign pitch of this election. The Democrats are talking about fifty different ways to slice the pie on single payer health care, and you know which one of them may be the most bigoted in their past. That's what they're going to be up against. And if they're not ready to take it on, if they don't hear it, if they don't understand how many yeah. people receive it. They're going to wind up in the same position they are now for another yeah. four years. Do you remember when we saw the tape of all those people who were cheering in New Jersey after 9-11? Mm -hmm. No, you didn't, because that never happened. <laughs> of course it Do never happened. Do you remember happened. when Pro President Barack Obama was not born in the United States? <laughs> I mean, that was, the, oh, that was a I had too. one of his guys the other night being like, well, I just don't know why he didn't show the birth certificate sooner. He showed it right away. It was the short form. Then he had to show why the long he, form. Why would he it's have to? BS. Because someone else said. That's Listen, right. I, it's just frustrating. I got to go. So, I know I got to go. Listen, I'm going to talk about uh, Biden. Biden's poll numbers, his support among African-Americans. We have some interesting things when it comes on that. And we're going to get new forecasting for Dorian in, in, in my broadcast. Needed. Thanks, Bill. I'll All see right. you in a second. Now, listen, 
The point is, you don't have to argue about what the president says. You have to look at what he does. May rest in peace, Senator McCain was right in a very early appraisal of this president. I don't care about his noise. I don't like it. I don't need to like it. I look at what he does. Let's look at that just from today. Next. All right, a sigh of relief in Puerto Rico tonight, but another lesson in leadership that should be a lens on the upcoming election. With Dorian bearing down on PR, this president decided to attack that part of our country. Wow, yet another big storm heading to Puerto Rico. Will it ever end? Congress approved $92 billion for Puerto Rico last year, all-time record of its kind for anywhere. I'm not arguing to be outraged by his ugly words. If you need me to tell you that his words are obnoxious, you're never going to believe that they're obnoxious. I'm not even arguing for negative reactions to his constant truth Abuse, like saying Puerto Rico got $92 billion in hurricane relief. He knows it's a big, fat falsehood. So far, about $40 billion in federal disaster relief funding has been allocated to Puerto Rico. About $12 billion has actually been spent. No, it isn't some simple slip. It isn't explainable. It's a constant contortion. And no, he isn't just fighting back. He's beating up fellow citizens with less power than he has, and who are already beaten down. He ignored thousands of dead. He ignored thousands of homes that are still covered in blue tarps after Maria. He blames their corruption. But it is his actions that I argue he should worry about. Because for this president, in the upcoming election, the challenge will not be justifying his mouth. It'll be justifying his actions. He took away some of the money set aside for disaster relief, about $155 million, that places like Puerto Rico and other islands in the area that we're responsible for desperately need. Look at parts of that place. That's the reality. That's America, okay? That's what Puerto Rico is. It's a territory of ours. And that's what it looks like two years later. Why did he take that money from natural disaster victims? To help pay to deport immigrants. But again, it's not the talk. The idea that there's a brown menace, the idea that the wall's a panacea, that talk is absurd. But the action of shutting down the government to fund that wall promising to pardon anyone who breaks the law in furtherance of just getting it done. This is not about how you spin what comes out of this president's mouth. It's about understanding the actions that he takes and what he says is leadership you should want. The base is not enough. How many of you, either independent, undecided, or just open-minded, how many of you will see the actions of just this one day as proof of what you want in a president? Thank you for watching CNN Tonight, D. Lemon, right now. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.